Thank you very much. We are in the book of Revelation this morning, 21, looking specifically at that verse 3, where John hears a voice, the voice from the throne, he describes it. And it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. Here again is this idea of withness that's been our theme all through the season of Advent and here in Christmas. Emmanuel. It means, the word means, God with us. In describing the conception of Jesus, Matthew explains to us that Emmanuel, God with us, is who Jesus is. It's not that Joseph was to give him the name Emmanuel as, as his proper name, you know. He, was, he says later, give him the name Jesus. It's that the son born of Mary would already be Emmanuel. He was explaining who Jesus already was. Just like I might be called dad or pastor or preacher or friend, uh, because I am those things, Jesus would be called Emmanuel because he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Now, Jesus is not, we said through these last weeks, the only instance of God with us. Through the ages, God has appeared in some form or another in our world time and again. But just the same, Jesus is the most complete and the most definitive expression of Emmanuel since the Garden of Eden, when God himself walked with Adam and Eve. At Christmas, God the Father sent Jesus, who's God the Son, to come and walk with us and to do so for a purpose. There's a purpose. In fact, Every instance of God's involvement in our world, every instance of Emmanuel since the garden has been for the same purpose. It's all for the sake of God becoming Emmanuel again forever. God with us forever. God the Father, our designer, our creator, he loves you and me, his creation, far too much. To let the sin that separates us have the last word in that relationship. God loves us far too much to be apart from us forever. Do you believe that? I've asked you before. Do you believe that? That we are that valuable to God? I really hope you do. Uh, It's important that we do. You know, some people have trouble believing that. And those sorts of people tend to devalue themselves. And then there's other sorts of people who think that they themselves are pretty great, but they have trouble believing that about other people. (laughs) All people, in fact. They have trouble believing that all people besides them are valuable to God. So those sorts of people tend to devalue other people. Both are lies. 
Both are misconceptions. Both fall away from truth to one side or the other. You and I, God made us in his image, in his likeness, so that we could have relationship with him forever. The sin of the garden messed that up. It has separated us from him. But God takes his creative efforts way too seriously. And he loves and likes us far too much to just let sin have its destructive way forever. Humankind, men and women, boys and girls, we're not just some sandcastle that that God put on a beach somewhere that it's no big deal for the tide or the waves to destroy. Not at all. We are way too valuable to him for that. He made us to be with us. And that's still his full intention. That is his end game. And he has been working a plan to reach that end for all of these years. Ever since Eve and Adam messed that up in the garden. Because of sin, God needed to preserve a people who would remember and who would represent him in the world. He realized, if I'm going to do this, I got to start somewhere. I got to start here. A people with whom he could work to make this redemption and reunion and reconnection possible. So he chose Abraham and Abraham's descendants to be that people. He didn't force Abraham to do it. He invited him. And Abraham considered it for a while and he said, you know, okay, I'll do it. And as did Isaac and Jacob and later Moses. God proved to them That he could be Emmanuel to them. And that he wanted to be Emmanuel to those around them. And so to to varying degrees, they each said, yes, I will accept your withness in my life. And the same thing with people like Deborah and Samuel and David and Isaiah and Jeremiah. All the way down to Zechariah and Elizabeth and Joseph and Mary. Through the ages, we see these And other shining lights of faith. Believing God. Now none of them really understood God's whole plan. All they knew. Abraham didn't even know where he was going. All they knew. Was at that moment. The wisest thing they could do. Was to say. Sure God. If you will be with me. Then I will be with you in this. And I will do as you say. That's all God needed him to do. And that's all he needs anyone to do, really. He doesn't need people to have the whole plan all figured out. That's his job. All he's ever looked for and still looks for today are people who respond to him by saying, you want me to do that? Okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. But you see, all of his instances of Emmanuel, of being with us, appearing to us, leading here and there through history, climaxing in Jesus himself, God the Son coming to earth at Christmas, all of that, and even all that he's doing in our world today through his spirit, it's all for the purpose of God, once again, being Emmanuel, God with us forever. It's all leading there. Now, certainly, he does do things that seem strange to us at times, doesn't he? (laughs) 
We wonder why he does this, but not that. And we wonder why he allows this, but he doesn't allow that. We wonder about God's ways, just like people have through the ages. But it's okay to not totally understand. Nobody else has understood either. That's just part of taking God on faith. There are things that we just cannot really know. Details that we cannot understand and we cannot know. But we can know this. He has made this super clear all through his revelation to humanity. All of what he does, all of what he doesn't do is leading to, one, the restoration of his creation. Two, the destruction once for all of all sin and its effects. And three, it's leading to him being with us, with his world again. It's all leading to the recreation of the withness of God that humanity knew in the garden. And here he graciously gives us an image of that through John in this uh, passage of Revelation 21. Now again, it's not complete It's not complete. And you know, personally, I kind of think that's intentional on God's part. I think at least part of the reason God reveals things as he does to us is to teach us, particularly we who think we need to know and understand everything. He teaches us our limitations that way. Just the same, he does give some great clues to John here about what being with him will be like in his fullness, in its entirety, what it's going to be like. For example, in verse 1, where John says, and there was no longer any sea. Now, those of us who like to go to the beach might think, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> what, what am I signing up for here? Um, to John's original readers, that statement would have been a great relief because they dreaded The sea, the literal sea. To them, it was a wildly unpredictable place, as you might imagine, if you've ever gone out on a rough sea in a small boat, you know. To them, the sea was a place of death. It was the source, actually, of all chaotic forces. And really, it was a symbol of separation from God. What God's saying here is that in his redeemed, recreated world, there is no way that sin will ever again be able to rise up and take over and destroy. As it's done in our world. That which happened in Eden will never happen again. Notice too that The new Jerusalem, verse 2 there says, comes down out of heaven from God. You see, just like Eden was of God, so is the new place of Emmanuel, of God. And it's given here in the image of a city. Um, Now, the big point is that God's withness does not grow up from us. It's not about some social evolution that we create ourselves. It's, it's a union that comes from God, initiated by God. Again, like the garden. We had no part in the design of the garden. We got to name, through Adam, we got to name some things. But we had no part in its design. God didn't ask us our opinions. What we thought it ought to be like. What we thought it ought to look like. What the standards of behavior ought to be there. No, that was all from God. 
All of it from God. Same thing here. Our broken world and its broken systems, they are gone. And what takes their place is new. And it's all from him. It's God's design. It's God's ways. It's God's standards. It's God's character that underlies his witness in this city. Now, some might read this and say, you know, I really don't like cities. I'm a country guy or a country girl at heart. And just the same, others might look at Eden and say, hey, I'm no farmer. (laughs) I've killed everything I've ever tried to plant. I don't really care for the dirty country life. I'm a suburbanite at best, you know. Let me say, the specific images, that's not what this is really about. The big idea behind both of these is that they're places where people live together. So don't get hung up on city or farm, okay? But do get hung up on the fact that whatever the literal place is like, in that place, we will have direct access to God and God to us. That's the point. That's the real message here. And also the immense blessing of it. God entirely with his people. What what John sees here is just like God talked and walked and thought and planned with Adam and Eve. So will he again with all who will be with him. That's what John sees. He says, look, and he's excited about it. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And in that withness, John notes explicitly there in verse four, what he already alluded to regarding the sea. He says, God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. For all of the explicit details that we don't know about life with the eternal Emmanuel, John clearly saw, and he writes so we can know, that in God's presence there is no sin, there's no effects of sin, and there's no death. God may not answer all of our questions about how all of this works, but God does know the issues that really affect us, doesn't he? He knows the big things that wreak havoc in our lives. And those, he says, will no longer be factors in life with him. Just as evil is overcome with good, so is sin and death overcome by God's perfection and by God's eternity. Just as there was no reason for tears or sadness or grief in the pre-fall garden, there will be no reason for them in the eternal city of God. The Emmanuel. As Adam and Eve mourned and cried in having to leave Eden, see now God wipes away those tears as he brings his people back to himself. This is absolutely paradise regained. That's what John saw. Paradise, being with God forever. There's a lot happening in our day that would cause us to kind of be down about the future, maybe. The year 70 AD was like that. (laughs) 
for both Jews and Christians. That was the year the Romans came in and destroyed the temple and left Jerusalem in ruins. And yet, instead of a a mourning sort of pessimism, John's revelation here reaches a climax with this image of a sure new reality, a new Jerusalem, and her place in a new world environment. And all of it is from God, you see. The restoration, all of it from God. The hope of humanity, the hope of you and me, you and I. It's never been in anything, any nation, any edifice, any governmental system, any political candidate. Our hope has never been in anything built by human hands. The hope of humanity is God and his willingness to be with us. Remarkable as it is, he will be with anyone who will be with him through faith in Jesus, his son. He came as Emmanuel, God with us, to earth, with the offer that if we would receive him, God would be Emmanuel, God with us forever. That's the ultimate end, forever. That is, as John Wesley said at his death, the best of all, that was his final words, the best of all is God is with us, with us. God wants everyone to know and share that reality. And it comes by asking And receiving Jesus' forgiveness. And then by following him. Saying yes to him. As he leads us with his spirit. With all that we have and are. Saying yes to him. Have you done that? Have you asked for God's forgiveness through Jesus? Are you doing that? Are you listening for his direction? And saying yes to his spirit? That's the requirement. If you haven't. You can begin that relationship with God today. You can experience the withness of God today. And you can enjoy that relationship forever. Forever.